Welcome everybody to another edition of the CarCast, our self-proclaimed, awarded, critically reviewed, or positively reviewed podcast from our car. Tonight I'm behind the wheel, I'm Owen Newkirk. Holding the microphone slash phone is Sean Shapiro. Yes. He doesn't have the Bluetooth option tonight because I still haven't paired his phone to my car, and I may not do that. But this is episode 86, which we have deemed the Nikita Kucherov episode. And the beat and the point streak keeps going on for the Dallas Stars as they win for the fifth time in a row their longest winning streak of the season, extend their point streak to 10, 9-0-1, and of course the benchmark since that atrocious 1-7-1 start, they now have gone... 12-1-1 in their last 14 games and look at where they are today. They are in third place in the Central Division but technically tied on points with Colorado for second although the Avs have a couple games in hand. Yep, and that's uh, only one game in hand actually. Oh, one game. Yeah, one game in hand. But they're tied with Colorado for second in points. Um, They are in a spot where in theory with with, uh, more points... And the uh, Avalanche on uh, with more points than the Avalanche on Saturday, they will be in second in the division. Crazy. Yes. I mean, I know that we've got, gone over this quite a bit, but when you just consider where they were after nine games, and we talked about, well, they're going to get out of this a little bit. Mm-hmm. We were hopeful, what, maybe in a playoff spot or by Christmas, New Year's? I, I think maybe at all. Yeah, I think by the end of twenty nine, you were hoping like, okay, they're one seven and one, and you know what? Maybe by the end of twenty nineteen, they drag themselves back into the conversation. Right. right. Like, like, can they like, get to five hundred by the now, now Christmas break? Now they're at that spot right now. We're obviously a couple. There's still three games, but before it, but they're at that spot where there's that old American Thanksgiving benchmark, where if you're a playoff team on American Thanksgiving. You have a very high yes. percentage to make playoffs. Now, look, yes, the St. Louis Blues were an anomaly. They were in last place past January 1st and won the Stanley Cup. But the point is not that you're going to win the Stanley Cup if you're in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving. It's that a high percentage of the teams in those playoff spots at Thanksgiving end up making the playoffs in April. Yes. So I don't know what it was last year. I'd have to go back and look at it, but I think it's usually around 80% or so. I think There's it's always a, that, yeah. a couple teams that don't make it, a couple teams that rally and get in. I think on a, it's on average, what, 13 or 14 of the 16 teams in playoff right. position yeah, on Thanksgiving. It's, it's two to four teams that usually yes. overcome that at some point. But, I mean, again, vast majority of teams don't drop that much. And part of it, Sean, is because the parity in the league teams go through you know, sort of general trends, but also because with the way the two slash three point games happen, it's hard to make up and make big moves unless you go on ten game winning streaks. Yeah, it's, big point streaks. And it's hard to. And there's a lot of teams you have to jump. That's the other thing. Right? It's it's, it's you may go on your own run, but even if you go on that ten game win streak, another team could win could go. Five, three, and two, or something like that. And you don't and, and, and make up that you, you only make up like three or four well, points. Well, look at yeah. what the Stars have done, right? They've gone on this fantastic 10 game point streak. Coming into tonight, the Winnipeg Jets had only lost one more game than the Stars in the same previous segment of nine games. Yes. And the St. Louis Blues are on a tear right now. So here they are, 
not really making up ground, <laughs> but they have. Well, it shows you how difficult it is to make up ground. It right. took it took twelve one and one to make. It up took ground. a month yeah. of incredible results. Yes. All right, let's get into the game tonight because yeah. this was a fun one. Uh, Sean, no goals in the first period, yeah. but by far the most high event period as far as number of scoring chances and fast. Like and no, it was like, fun. Not many fast. stoppages. Yep. Um, the whole first period took about 29 minutes total. Which is crazy. Uh, start time was a little bit later because of the pregame ceremonies for Hockey Fights Cancer. Yeah. Once the game actually got going, it went. Yeah, 29 minutes the first period. The typical uh, typical first periods usually takes around 42, 43 minutes. Yep. So fast periods, good chances for both teams. Oh, I thought um, some great goaltending. Uh, ben Bishop made a, a, a save, uh, a couple of them. There was a two-on-one where... The stars got caught up a little bit, and Shifley played it across to Kyle Connor. Yep. And Bishop was one on one with him and stoned him. Mm-hmm. Now Connor would get him back in the second period. Yeah. But I mean, it was still a zero-zero game. Both goalies are great. It could have been period. very different, right? Connor Hellebuck was really good in the first period too. Starts some Boy, really good I mean, chances. Let, let's just put it this way: Miro Haskin was maybe the best player on the planet in that first period. Yes. Right. I mean, he was incredible. He every. He had five scoring chances by himself. Mm-hmm. Every time he touched the puck in that opening 20 minutes, he looked like he was going to do something. It wasn't just, oh, here's yeah. Nero. It was he was faster than everybody. He got open. He shot the puck. He hit the posts. Let me so let me let me pose this question to you because I okay. posed this wandering thought in the 2020 debate. How many defensemen in the NHL have plays transition plays drawn for them in the NHL on offensive zone faceoffs? It's not, it's, it's not a large list. You mean, well, I mean, like, there may be a couple of the start, big, the, booming shots. But no, I'm, but that's different. I'm not talking about setting up the one-timer. I'm you're talking, talking about I'm talking plays about, of getting yeah, the yeah. puck and attack. The Stars ran at least three times, maybe four times, on offensive zone face-offs where it was puck back, the draw's going back to Hayeshkin, and, and he's beating everyone on purpose. It was a designed play set up that yes. way. And but they do that in the defensive zone, too, because they realize... That That's not the point, though. The no, point is, my the point, point is, is not, that they do it everywhere because yes. he's that special. Yes. The point is not how many times they do it with Miro. The point is how many defensemen in the NHL. It's not a long list. That's my point. I, I, yes. I don't know the yes. answer to that, yes. but it surely can't be a big yes. one. So, he was Second tremendous. period? Yep, second period. 0-0, zero, zero, and the Stars race out to a 3 nothing lead. Stars, you want to call it a fourth line, third line, whatever you want to call it, they were tremendous. It's hard to kind of come up with names for these lines uh, specifically because uh, it's something that Monty said in the post-game show I thought was really interesting. He said they played Winnipeg three lines tonight. Yep. We played four, and it played a big difference. So I immediately after he said that in, the, in his press conference, I looked at this the game sheet. The minutes and, are stark. And I noticed yep. that the fourth line for Winnipeg averaged about four minutes of ice time for the game. Four. Yeah. That's okay for one period, not for a game, for, for usage. And the Stars' fourth line, or if you want to call it that, the lowest was about 13 minutes. And they combined for six points. <laughs> but, I mean, they were playing 14, 15. I mean, they yep. had 20 shifts. Yep. The other, the fourth line for the Jets had four, yep. five shifts. Yep. It was, it was a stark contrast. Um, and you take a look at what... Corey Perry, I think he could play with anyone in that second period, and he was tremendous. Yeah, he, I think so too. He had the three assists in that second period, but then you look at you have Matias Yamark in his first game back. 
scores a big goal. You have Jason Dickinson. It's really just a does. great position oh, yeah. on that shot by oh, yeah. Andre Sakharov. Yeah. And here's the thing, Sean. Yanmark is on the on the bubble. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about that soon. And had yeah. I mean we said it the other night is the ability to be able to come in after not playing for four straight games over the span of a week. His last game was that Sunday game at Winnipeg. Yeah, Winnipeg when he scored. To come into the lineup and try to not lose your spot when you know you're not at the same game speed as everybody that's been playing regularly is really remarkable. It's also a testament to the amount of work that Yanmark put in to get back to the, yeah. the lineup. So, he scores. Jason Dickinson scores on a really nice deflection on a Taylor Fadoon shot. Yep. Um, the play that was, and we need to go over this real quick, it was challenged for offsides by the Jets. And if you look at the what a deflection, huh? If you look at the at the stilled at the uh, still screen grab, um, you can see what the Jets were thinking. Where Jason Dickinson is in the zone before the puck. Well, However, he also, he also did not have control on his stick. Yes, but that's not doesn't mean that he didn't does, have control. That doesn't mean he didn't have control. And by Rule eighty three point one in the NHL rulebook, if a player had control before entering the zone. And maintains control, but enters before the puck. It is onside, and so. By the way, quick pause on the car cast. We have flashing lights in a tow truck here. Yeah. And did somebody come off the road there? It looks like a tow truck and a, not a tow truck. No, there's a pickup truck. A pickup truck in a ditch. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, uh, just wanted to let everybody know that we're fine, and also that there's activity here on the road because it is in fact the car cast. Yes. And this right? is like we're a, getting passed by a supercar tonight. No, this is like a live traffic report. So. Yeah. So. Uh, Get your uh, radio traffic here. <laughs> Hours later and Hours. completely of no help. Hours later. Um, anywho, oh, reviewed goals. So the Dickinson uh, goal. The Dickinson goal where the Jets lose the challenge. Did you um, immediately think of the Charlie Coyle challenge from a couple weeks ago? It was very similar to that. Wasn't play. it? Yes. Different, yes. but similar. Similar. Um, it's one of those where uh, it was the right call. It was the right application of the rule. And actually, for once, Sean, a pretty decent uh, explanation of the decision released Usu by the NHL. Right. Yes. Usually, you get those, and they go, "Well, this it is because it is," and you go, yes. "Well, that doesn't say anything." Yes. This actually explained a portion of the rule, and yes. you go, "Oh, well, this makes a lot of sense." Yes. So, to me, the big thing was Dickinson made a possession, a hockey play, and got control of it prior to reaching the blue line. Mm -hmm. So he already established control. I believe, Sean, that had he. He entered. He actually. It was off his stick when he gained the line. Yeah. When he crossed over the blue line, had the defender been closer and had a, a better gap, and actually knocked it away from him during that crossover, then I think that would have been uh, deemed yeah. that he lost control and would have been offside. And, and, and even if that happened, though, the puck probably leaves the zone, and then the position never happens it, for a goal anyway. Fair enough. So it's sure. Uh, so it, it was a. It was the correct call. It was the right. It was the right call. That, that makes it two nothing. Um, Great tip on the. Yes, on the really, shot. really nice tip. Um, stars go up three nothing about six minutes later, roughly. With Fox's yeah, goal. Yeah, on Fox's goal, kind of a weird one where things in soccer that's given us an own goal. Yeah, right. Exactly. He shot it toward the net. Hellebuck made the save. It it arced over his blocker and fell off his left skate and went parallel to the goal line and, and kind of stopped. Yep. And then his uh, the goal Hellebuck's momentum of his right skate. Actually came back and pushed it over the line. Yep. But of course, in hockey, yeah. not only do you get credit for it, sometimes you get assists, and Corey Perry got an assist. Exactly. So that makes it three-one. Um, stars are 
Uh, well, okay, Jets come back. It's 3 nothing. 3 nothing. The Jets come back it, to me. 40 seconds later? Yeah, Kyle Connor gets loose. Well, uh, it started with a turnover in the offensive zone by Jamie Benn. Yes. In the high slot. And then Miro, trying to defend a two-on-one, stumbled a little bit. And, again, we saw this in the first period. Shifley made a great pass to find Connor. This time, Connor doesn't get denied by Ben Bishop. And Kyle Connor has had... It's not Patrick Line level numbers, but he's been Few very have those. yes. But he's been very good against Dallas in his yes. career, and Great. he's also been very good against Ben Bishop in his career too, actually. And it's funny because Kyle Connor was taken right after Dennis Gurionov for the draft, and so obviously when he plays, and Gurionov is only just emerging in the NHL now. Connor's been in the league a couple years, and so every time the Stars have played Winnipeg in the past, and he's done well. You can't help but think about that. Yes. Just like when you see Matthew Barzell play for the Islanders or Brock Besser for the uh, the Canucks, or even that's the Sebastian Ajo second round pick for yep. Carolina. Yeah. Obviously, Gurionov is starting to turn some opinions around, mm-hmm. but Connor is a guy that definitely has been a very good NHL guy. Very good. And he's a guy that obviously gets pointed to, he's going to be pointed to as long as. There's been less finger pointing because of what Gurionov has done, yes. but he's going to always be kind of the point of what could have been type of player. And that goal by Connor makes it three to one. They go into the intermission with something, right? It's yeah. kind of like the a smaller version of the Radulov. I mean, it's the same idea. Yeah. Radulov gets the goal mm-hmm. in minute, and then, against and Minnesota, Minnesota game, to yeah. start that epic comeback where they scored six unanswered. Yeah. Now Winnipeg gets two more in the third period, but the first one, again, a little bit lucky, but you go to the net hard. Tucker Pullman's shot goes off the chest torso yep. of Patrick Laine. It's by far the least attractive goal he's ever scored of 17 yeah. in 15 games against <laughs> Dallas, which is absurd. Yeah. But it, it accounts it, nonetheless. It, it's, a game, it's funny. Like It kind of speaks to Patrick Laine's career success against Dallas in a game where I felt he played like garbage overall. I just didn't think he was a very yeah. positive player yeah. for like, Winnipeg. I thought Laine was a garbage player for Winnipeg today, and he still scored. Like it's, um, that's, And that's... that's you know, it's funny, Jamie Benn, who obviously will have some problems yes. we'll talk about, yeah. he didn't like the way he played the game for much of it, and yet, obviously, played a yes. pretty big impact later yeah. on. What do you think of the tying goal for Lucas Pisa, where Andrew Cobb goes down to the goal line and throws a backhander back out to a wide-open defenseman cutting down the slot? I thought it was a nice play by Cobb. Oh, a beautiful yeah, play. Like, I thought it was a nice play by Cobb. What do you think about the defensive coverage? I did not like, I think... I did not like how much that was given. Like I didn't. I didn't it looked like everybody chased Cop to the yeah, side of the that's, net. That's and just what, left it open. That's essentially what happened. Everyone collapsed on Cop. Nobody. Nobody. Stars lost their structure for a minute, and it. And they scored. That that's what happened there. Right. Um, I agree. I don't think there's too much you can fault Ben Bishop, but I don't think you can fault Ben Bishop too much for any of the goals tonight. He celebrated his 33rd birthday tonight. So yeah, I mean birthday. the first one. He came up with a huge save on Connor in the first. Yeah. The second was, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? So, um, so that ties the game at 3-3. Right. Next shift is the biggest shift in the game, um, where... Which was within less than a minute less later. Than, less than a minute later, Jamie Benn, um, in first, uh, Stars actually, he actually turned the puck over, actually, <laughs> at the offensive blue line before, and then... Um, Back checks, levels Mark Shifley. Just smoked him. Just levels Mark Shifley, and then after leveling Mark Shifley, goes and strips the puck from Patrick Line in the offensive zone and leaves Connor Hellebuck swimming as he misses the poke check. 
backhand, fourth relay for Dallas. I was trying to remember the Hellebuck save that I thought was his best of the night. I've got it now. It took me a minute. Go back to the beginning of the third period. Okay. Yanmark gets a one-timer, back posts, far right side offensive zone from pretty close range. And it was 3-1. He scores that. It's 4-1. The game was, is over. I thought over. that was a Corey Perry chance. I thought it was a Yanmark pass to Corey Perry. Uh, I thought Perry passed it to Yanmark, who ripped the one-timer. Okay. Either way, yeah. Hellebuck came up with a dandy because if the Stars get a three-goal lead again, it's over. Yeah, yeah but that's... We're on to the January. I know we're on to that, but yeah, I wanted yeah. to point that out because I, I, in the first period, Bishop made that great save on Con- Kyle Connor. I thought Hellebuck, for, you know, for ending up with a night where he gave up four goals, yeah. made some really great saves. He was really good. I want to get to that because by the time we finish with the Ben, it's too late. Yeah. Okay. All right, now go on. So, the, as I was saying, he rips Shifley. He basically he, he him. levels Shifley, Buck ends up in the offensive zone, strips the Buck from line A, goes in. Beats Hellebuck with who misses on the poke check, goes back to the backhand, which has been his his vintage his vintage of choice lately. And Sorry to interrupt again, but uh, funky smell. The funky smell, yeah. Funky Gotta smell. bring it up. It stinks. Yeah. It smells animal. Yes. Some skunker spray. Skunk, or something like musk. that. Musk. Yes. It's a it's a it stings the nose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, go on. Four three stars. <laughs> Four three stars. Um, a play. What a goal, huh? Oh, great goal. Uh, Reminiscent of Jamie Ben at his best, and he's been playing. He's been playing tonight was not his best, um, but another third straight game with a game-winning goal That's for Jamie. Crazy. Yep. And it was uh, it was interesting how post-game Jamie talked about how he thought about his dad during the game, and how his dad used the old baseball adage: "You're 0 for three, and you're a bum, but you still get one more chance to be the hero." And that's what he thought about before that shift. and It's an interesting mental exercise because in baseball, you fail way more than you succeed, yes, right? You a do. 300 average is considered good. That's 30% success rate mm-hmm. in your at-bat. So you have to learn to compartmentalize failure and think this is the time where I can be the hero, which is what Jamie's talking about. Yeah. And I actually think it's a great thought because if you as a hockey player have – Jamie had eight shot attempts tonight. Six on net. It was actually quite a lot. Mm-hmm. They had the puck a bit. If you score one of eight attempts, you're a hero. You score yeah. a goal. If you're a goalie and give up one on eight shots, you're awful and you don't have a job. Yes. It's it's. But you know what? Life's unfair. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It's the difference so, between playing offense was, and defense. It was interesting to hear Jamie actually open up and share something like that because he is not usually the one the type to he's give pretty that tight-lipped type. with the he's media not, he's not that type he's not usually the type to give that insight no so that was interesting to see um it was interesting talking to some of his teammates in the locker room who said they saw uh, Matthias Janmark mentioned that going into that shift he he had the feeling that that was where Jamie would I'm laughing because I'm picturing the dumb and dumber scene where they're Freezing in Aspen, and he goes, "Harry, you've got that crazy look in your eye." <laughs> and, and I mean, in the end, Mark even used the line where he said, "If, if he, he said, it's not something you'd expect every shift, because you do that, he'd be the greatest player ever." So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, wouldn't anybody, yes, right? Exactly. So, I mean, Connor McDavid is probably the best forward in the game right now. Not probably. Uh, not probably. He is okay. And and so. even the players mentioned after the game against Edmonton on uh, last Saturday that that line looked tired from overuse in the first yep. two periods. So, Jamie delivers the game-winning goal. Um, 
later the stars would make it uh, they have a, would make it five to three on an empty under by Tyler Sagan where it was a another one that got reviewed not a challenge the, the Jets well, did not challenge they can't at the yeah, last minute but the Jets didn't challenge it but it was another similar play where kind of similar actually where Sagan entered the zone slightly before the puck but he had possession but he didn't though Here's the thing. It looks similar. Sorry. Uh, it looks similar. The difference is Sagan didn't establish possession before he hit the blue line. It was he timed it. And yeah. the difference in the explanation was Dickinson established possession and control before he gained the zone. Sagan, the visuals were inconclusive. Yeah. It was too close. Their, their challenge was, and the review was, their explanation was... They were like, well, we yeah. can't really tell. Yeah. And honestly, it was the empty netter. Yeah. Now, of course... You could argue that, hey, they'll have 30 seconds to try to tie the game. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between uh, – I mean, there shouldn't be. It should be the same. I honestly think, Sean, Sagan let – he did what players will sometimes do is let the puck catch up to him. Yeah. He was he was intentionally sneaking behind the defense. Jason Dickinson made a great play to get it out to him, mm-hmm. and he kind of let it come to him. Had he reached back and touched it with his stick, then it wouldn't even have been reviewed. Correct. But because he skated in – before establishing possession, that's why they looked at it. Yeah. But anyway, it counts. It's 5-3. Stars win. And uh, they're, uh, and as we said earlier, they're now in tied for second in points and in sole possession of third in the Central. And they're within five games. Now, again, this is a long way to go. Yeah. Five games of the franchise record for longest point streak, which stands at 15. If they get to that, Sean, it'll be a very... Happy start to December. Yes. Because what do they have? One, two, three, I think four left, four games left in November. Yeah. Right? And then they they have Saturday, the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, and then there's one more. Well, I don't know if the week – it might be five more. It's a busy schedule. They're in the middle yeah. of ten games in 19 days. Yeah. So. It's a busy schedule. Let's uh... – Let's go to the lightning round because, by the way, Sagan missed – the end of the first period. Yes. A glorious chance to get a goal would have been the first of the game where a rebound fell right to him with, what, 13 seconds left? And he has a backhand, and he scores that nine times out of, a, out of 10, 99 out of 100, and he missed. And he didn't miss by a little bit. He missed by a lot. Yeah. Yes? Yes, you know, he missed by a lot. That I was, sorry, I was pulling yes, up. Yes, I know. I, I was pulling up the questions. So I've known Sean long enough to know that when I'm not actually, he's listening but not actually hearing me because he's reading. Yes. And it happens a lot, and I'm used to it, but we're actually recording, so I had to prod yes. him a little bit. Yeah. That's behind the curtain That's, stuff. Okay. So You only get that on the car cast. Yes. All right, let's get to the <laughs> let's get to the, the lightning so round did, questions. Were you surprised how much Sagan missed? Yes, that? very much so. It, it was a glorious chance. The whole net was open. Yes. It wasn't that he missed it by a little bit. He missed it by a feet. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And he could you knew right away he was yeah. really upset about it. Yeah. All right, kind of the question that we've been asked by multiple people. It's um, the lineup question. It's the lineup it? question. And the first one is with both Dickinson and Yamark having productive nights. So the first person to ask it was Adam about two hours ago. Um, with both Dickinson and Yamark having productive nights tonight, how does that affect who comes out for Robe hints? And it does affect it. It does. It does. Because we're in a fascinating spot where I was kind of going through this and you're looking at it post game. And um, the first thing you're going, the first thing that comes to mind is. Someone who is undeserving of a scratch is going to be scratched if Rope hints is healthy for Monty Saturday. Monty said it as much, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it was the main scrum or to our radio interview, but this morning he said 
somebody is who is going to to get taken out of the lineup who doesn't deserve to be sat. Yeah, he must. He, he didn't say that during the main. Okay, scrum, so it must so have been our interview, yeah. and it's it happened, Sean. The same. It'll happen when John Klingberg comes back. Exactly. Right now, everybody deserves to be in the lineup. Yeah. It. What can I mean? They've won. They've points in ten straight games. Everyone deserves to be in the lineup. Right. You and, say, okay. Well, how about Justin Dowling? Justin Downs has been playing extremely he has well. Four in that points line. in the last five games with Sagan and Ben, yeah. and they've been a really productive line. So why mess with that? Okay, so Dowling was the obvious choice before this recent hot yeah. stretch, yeah. stretch of form. So then you say, okay, well again, Mark, he's been hurt. He's only back for one game. He had an excellent game, and he was great defensively. He yeah. scored. He had another scoring chance. He had the penalty kill work. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't. Right. Yeah. Okay. What so what about Jason Dickinson? Well, he's played really well. Scored tonight. They used him late in the game for a couple of shifts instead of Dowling with Ben and Sagan for an added defensive element mm-hmm. uh, as well. Obviously, he's a big part of the penalty kill. And yeah, uh, okay, so you're gonna take out Corey Perry? No. Okay, so let's go to the the next line. Are you gonna mess with the FCC line? And those are those are two guys. And, and so I know I can already forecast you one thing right now. What about Den- I mean, so, let, so let me let me forecast something okay. for you right now. There are going to be people on Twitter, because it's going to happen. No matter who the choice is. But, no, it's going so If it's Saturday, just or it's Saturday or Monday, whatever day doesn't it is. It doesn't matter what day it is. There are going, people are going to be upset that it's not Cogliano or Como. Because okay. I, I just, let me, let me go through this I right now. I understand where you're going Because here. people, yeah. it's, it's something where I know there are going to be people who, who are going to ask, why not Cogliano or not, why not Como? And whether it's Dowling or Yanmark or even Guriano or whoever it is, they're going to say, why not Cogliano or Como? No matter what you think of their play, those are two veteran players that Jim Montgomery trusts Trust. immensely, and they're not coming out of the lineup. Well, and that shutdown yeah. line's been great, and they're yes. scoring. Yes, but whether but I'm right. just I'm, yes, I'm, I'm just I'm just establishing right now because a, you're predicting the yes, response. I'm predicting the response, and I'm establishing a point of reference right now where just to tell you, they are in Montgomery's. They're trusted players by Jim Montgomery, and they're not going to come out. Um, so I mean. The, Look, if somebody's banged up a little bit, Cogliano just missed time. Yeah. He doesn't miss much, and I don't expect him to. But if somebody has a nagging thing, it would be an easy one for them to say, yeah. sit out. And here's the thing, Sean. If the Stars do end up staying healthy, which, look, teams don't all yeah. the time. But if they do, with both Hintz and Klingberg coming back in, you might see a bit of a rotation for Expe- maintenance and for dips in play even if nobody really deserves it. Especially with, I mean, I think whoever comes out the next game, whether if Hintz probably does come back, the one after that. probably plays the next one, especially with a three and four and a back-to-back oh Monday goodness. and Tuesday. They need everybody, yeah. right? So, Influx of fresh and, legs. So let's let's talk about the defense real quick, because it, 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 that's, yeah. uh, because Hint, obviously we have multiple questions about the defense as well. So who comes out? Okay, you're, so, you're looking at, it's easier to start with, Miro's not coming out, Essa's not coming out. Right. Um, then you start to get into the conversation for multiple guys. Okay, so look, uh, Roman Polak is not going to be the first guy out for a couple reasons. One, he's a right, mm-hmm. uh, although they do have a little, few more right-handed D. Yes. But also because he's by far their most physical defensive. He's not coming out, after, especially after he missed a lot and he's been playing fresh. So yes. you're looking at three guys. You're yes. looking at Andre Sekera, you're looking okay. at Jamie Alexiak, and you're looking at Taylor Fadoon. And the initial... Before recent play, mm-hmm. it was oh, it's going to be Fadoon. Yes, no doubt. But he has elevated his play. Yes, in the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. right? And, and he's been playing really well, not just playing on the third pairing. And I think that's an important distinction because that helps make it harder to take Fadoon out of the lineup. 
it does make it harder to take him out of the line. It might still be him. The other thing, though, is it sets up really easily to, as if you look at the coaches have things, you keep Sekar and Pollock together, you keep Alexiak and Haskinen together. That would and, be and, the easiest. And then Fadoon just goes, and then Klingberg, you look at it this way, and it's it's completely true, Klingberg is a better version of Taylor Fadoon. Yeah, you there's no him, doubt. You just put him right where Esselin Dell is. Now, here's the argument against that, and it's not, I, I agree with you, I think that may still happen, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't think it will be Andre Sekera, even though there are a bunch of people that think he hasn't played nearly his best level. Is He's a veteran, and the coaches have trust in him because of his experience that he can get it done. Here's the other possibility I think it could be. It could be Jamie Alexiak. Now, I could say, see Alexiak. You yeah. say, hold it. He's a, he's a left-shot defenseman, and you now have a sudden uh, added right shot. Why would you do that? Well, and you can just go, and you can Here's just... what you would do. You can put Miro back on his left. He can play with Klingberg. And you can keep Fadun and Lindell together and keep Polak yes. and Sekera together. Or you can mix and match those yeah. as well. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I think Jamie Alexiak has really stepped up even this during this season, not just coming back from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I really like his game. And, of course, they love his size in the lineup. They do. But the other thing is if you're looking at a team that been playing really well offensively and creating offense – Secker had an assist tonight, set something up. Fadoon yep. had an Sekera's assist tonight. shot yeah. was the, the tip for uh, Dickinson, right? Or, no, no, that was sorry, Fadoon. That was Fadoon. That was Fadoon. Yanmark had one. Uh, yeah. if, so both Secker and Fadoon set up goals yes. with their shots from the Exactly. Point. All right. So it's going to be fascinating. The, the, the answer is we don't have a clear answer. It's really going to be interesting to see how Jim Montgomery breaks this down. Like, Saturday's mor- if, if Saturday's morning skate, we see, okay, Rope Hintz, John Klingberger are both in. It's going to be fascinating to see who comes out. Yeah. And it's going to create quite a bit of discussion. Isn't it a fair answer that it may not be there may not be a right or wrong answer here it no. might be because everybody can the, the thing I want to say about this look it, he, not that he's going to get in but Joel Hanley's play didn't deserve to come out of the lineup no that's but true he just had to so again there's a difference between taking Hanley out and now the next step but, but he's the, a good defenseman the point I really want to make on this is we've gone from a team that was struggling to get anything going when you're debating who the twelfth and sixth defenseman should be? That's where you want to. That's be. where you want to be. Yes. Like that's because it wasn't that long ago. You're trying to figure out who the heck is going to play in your top six because some of your highest paid guys mm-hmm. aren't getting it done. I mean, Winnipeg Jets. We talked about yeah. this just a week and a half ago. The Jets. The Jets would kill for the Stars' depth on the fourth line. Oh my goodness! Like there and and Bruce made this point. I thought very aptly on our radio broadcast. There isn't a single player on the Winnipeg fourth line the Stars would swap out with theirs. No, not at all. Not one. Oh. So let's see. Next one we got from AJ. Uh, Jim, uh, two, two ones. He said, what is, what is it about the Jets that makes them such a difficult matchup for the Stars? And then the second question is, Jamie has really turned it on the last little bit. What do you think, what do you see as the turning point? Okay, a couple of things. Uh, let's start with the Jets. Yeah. Part of it was the emergence of Connor Hellebuck as a, a number one goaltender because right. their goaltending before, I mean, we'd have nights where Andre Pavlik would be good. Uh, they'd steal well, one once in a while. Remember, but Steve Mason was supposed to be the answer there. He was. And then. And boy, that's calling back the old Columbus Blue Jackets days, yeah. too, Steve Mason. Um, but look, there was a time where they were just bad at two things goaltending and discipline. Mm-hmm. And then a, a switch came. Obviously, the influx of having another offensive sniper like Line A helped, but. They got better as a group. Shifley really emerged. Um, they've drafted and developed very well with mm-hmm. some of their big guns. They got Kyle Connor, uh, Brian Little, who's hurt right now, yeah. was a, is an excellent player. Um, and 
they went from being this very undisciplined, will take nine penalties a game kind of team to they're going to be a hard team. But in many ways, Sean, they kind of mimic the way the Stars are, except they don't have the Stars' depth. No, they don't. Which is amazing because last year the Stars had depth, but they didn't have a second line. Mm-hmm. Now they have arguably three second lines. Yes. And, the, and the other thing the Jets don't have right now, which is really it, – it's interesting. I'm just going to say, say – we don't we haven't talked about it in a while, but I'll just say his name once. If you look at places that could use Julius Honka, like you could – I look at the Jets' defense and – It doesn't blow you away. They lost Tyler Myers, yep. Jacob Truba, and currently Dustin Bufflin. Mm-hmm. That no team can lose the top three. Morrissey's a good defenseman, but they lost their top three. They lost top three and expect. I mean, look, some of those other guys have done fine, but come on. Yeah. Well, um, second part. And actually, it, they lost Ben Sherratt too. That's, that's who true. plays with Montreal yeah. now. So four of their top six are gone. Yeah. Uh, second part of AJ's question was: Jamie has really turned it on in the last little bit. What do you see as the turning point? Um, I think it's been – I look at the turning point as you look at the last road trip, and I think there's been kind of – it's something that I don't think Jamie will ever really admit is I think there's just been kind of a mental switch of I need to play better. Like I just – I really think a lot of it comes down to the player basically digging into that. It's, Do you I, think that's a similar vein to people uh, talking about how Miro cl- realizing – I can take over games. Maybe. It, 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 same same process, different step time of this, but yeah. Miro, you know, getting into the NHL and playing his game and then going, hey, I can do almost what I want yeah. out there yeah. at times. And, what, and whether that was self-motivation or Jim Montgomery's call-out or whatever it is, right. there's something where Jamie, something clicked for Jamie. He looks of, like a different player. He looks like right a different now. player. and. Now the key for Jamie and the Stars, both this falls on both him and the coaches, to figure out how do they keep getting the best version of Jamie Bennett. Or on nights where he's not great, like tonight, he comes up with moments of brilliance Mm -hmm. where you go, yep, Yep. worth every penny of your $9.5 million. All right, uh, from Galapagos. Man, this has been a heck of a game. This man, this has been a heck of a game. One key knows that Yammer had played well in his return two days after discussions about fighting for his job on the last car cast. Yeah, we just talked about Uh, that. um, Fair. Just the question was on Yamark, what do you think is the key behind his play as far as being one of the most improved players this season? Well, Yamark's always been a smart player. Mm-hmm. He's always been fast. He's always had an incredible closing speed on a back check. He's always been a good defensive player because he's smart. He's had a great chemistry with uh, John Klingberg with stretch passes because they know and they read things similarly. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that Yamark has had as a negative to him is his finishing. And you and yeah. I have talked about yeah. that. Is that to consider him a top six player, he has to be able to finish his chances because he's creating one or two or three chances yeah. every single time he plays. Yeah. What's the difference? He's not in the top six. Yeah. So he can have a great impact and be a role player without the added pressure of you've got to perform in these top two scoring lines. Yeah. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think he's it, it, capable I think, I, of I being think, a top six player. I don't, I don't know if he's capable of finishing like a top six player. I think he's in a better expected role as a third liner, third, fourth liner, it's whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, um, but he's he's if he is in the bottom six, Sean, he's one of the league's better bottom six players. Wouldn't you say? Smart, multifaceted, capable of being skillful in that role, but also, you know, playing physical, not getting knocked off pucks quick. Good defensively. I mean, you can't ask for much more in a bottom six player. No, I mean, I give him, I give him 
credit for being a good bottom six player. You look I, at me like I'm crazy. Because I think there's 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 a lot of teams that have much better third lines and much better players that would be top six in other places. Okay. So just, such as is that saying top six in other places because the other top six is bad, or you're saying their depth is that good? I mean, which, I'm, I'm which sa- team in the NHL right now has a third line that should be in the top t- top six? Well, no, I'm talking about like I don't think like you got Mat- me confused here. So Matthias Janmark, let me just make my case here, okay? <laughs> Matias Yanmark. You just Yanmark, don't want to praise him that much. No, like, I think he is a very he's a very good bottom six player. I just have a hard time saying he is better than most bottom six players in the NHL. Okay. I don't I don't think that's fair. Okay. I think he's a good bottom six player. I think he's a good cog for a team. I think that's what he is. I don't think if you were going to build if you were going to go build an NHL team right he's now, he's your first choice for that role. Yes. Eh, maybe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think given the price that he's at. The age he's at, the uh, low maintenance he's at. Although you know, obviously, get, has gotten hurt a couple of times and had his big knee problem before. But I think that he is a very smart pickup, and I I think that you could do a lot worse than him. He could easily end up in Seattle in a couple of years. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, uh, if he keeps playing like this, I could see it. A comment from uh, Hula Taxi. Just wanted to comment on how amazing the individual effort on Jamie Ben was on his goal end to end. Just remarkable. We take comments. Comments um, are great. From Matt, uh, will we see a road to the Winter Classic show leading up to the Winter Classic? I believe we something's happening. I haven't heard anything from yeah. RA side of things, yeah. but we keep expecting to see a camera crew at some point. From uh, like a twenty four seven. Yeah, I think there's something supposed to happen. I don't know for sure. Um, Remember, they still have over a month before the game. Exactly. Um, from. Uh, Chev Chelios, stars are on fire, and they're doing without a couple of their young stars. You see what I did there. What team do you all see as the most difficult opponent in the conference? Thanks for all you do, seriously. CarCast, hashtag CarCast forever. Well, uh, probably won't last forever, but we appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> uh, because doing a free CarCast uh, is at some point going to cause an issue. <laughs> it hasn't to this point too much, although it's causing maybe a little bit of a sleep deprivation. Yep. Best team in the conference or most difficult team? Well, we haven't seen everybody yet. Yeah. Um, Winnipeg's a challenging one because they defend well, um, and, and they really don't give up. So they're a really hard team to play against. They give don't give up. I, I think that if you stay out of the penalty box, Vancouver's a, a pretty good team, but they if you stay out of the box, they're yeah. not as damn. I mean, you saw what they did tonight in yeah. Nashville. Well, they scored five, five, five for six at five one point. Six. I mean, all five of their goals they beat Nashville. Nashville's lost six in a yeah. row now because they scored five power play goals. The Stars went eight for eight on against them as a penalty kill unit. Yeah, um, I would. Edmonton's pretty dangerous, but they're still not complete. You know I'm going to go with right now. You got to go with the team that's that won last year. St. And Louis. It, you got to go with St. Louis right now. Yeah, I've always liked Vegas in the last couple of years because I think they're a pretty complete, balanced team. Some consistency issues there right now. They've been but, having some trouble. I mean, St. Louis is playing well, and we haven't seen them for a bit. Yeah, we'll see them on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. That should be a heck of a clash. Yeah. Uh, um, from the Ferguson tribe, what are th- what are three reasons, not results, example, scoring more goals, why the Stars are a completely different team the last 10-plus games? I, Number I, one, confidence. Okay. They're one, playing with it. No, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one, they, one, were, yeah. they weren't playing awful hockey, but they had no confidence, and so their average play turned into bad play because – they were finding ways to lose, okay. not win. So that's well, one. Yes, I'm good with that. Number two, 
they've men, men, mentally, mentality-wise, and this is both system and and uh, and mentally at the same time. It's both physical and effort-wise. They've gone from playing defense 200 feet from their own net to playing to tactical play, yes, and yes, a mental yes, approach to playing offense 200 feet from their own net. The forecheck has gone from a method of just keeping the puck in the other area to actually let's use it to create and which is another going. way I was going to say this was yep. sort of the same thing I was going to say they're playing on their toes now rather yep. than playing on their heels mm-hmm. and they're being aggressive and jumping on plays and I think Jamie Benn is playing on his toes and that's when he's at his best so that's two and then the third one I'll go with I think it's just you have to look at it that way is their top players have decided to be their top players well they've started to produce yes um, their power play still is inconsistent mm-hmm. um but pretty, the play, but the play, good. but the play at five on five has been very good. Play at five on five is great. Their penalty kill is consistently good for the most part. Their goaltending has yeah. been really top notch. Uh, but what's the other difference? Um, well, the players have emerged, yeah. and it's all over the roster. Corey Perry was hurt and didn't play the start of the year. Joe Pavelski hasn't played for a different NHL team in his 13 year career. Took time to adjust and looks better than he used to. Uh, Jason Dickinson has had a really good run. I think he's better as a center than as a wing. I think he's just more comfortable in that role. And I think Pavelski's better as a center than a that. wing as well, even though both players can make plays as wings. I think Denis Gurionov took a little while, and he can't emerge, and that's an added layer of, of danger. Rope Hintz has been in and out because of the injury, but when he's out, he, again, things have started to go in, and, and it's snowballed. Yeah. Next one's from Jonathan Cantu. I'm just going to show you this picture. Oh, I've seen the picture. And you, okay, then I want your two-word reaction to the Tesla Cybertruck. Um, two-word is Mad Max. The more elaborate one is I want to see more angles because that doesn't do, you don't get to see enough. Yeah. I don't want to buy that, but I'm intrigued. I was thinking because uh, I want I if I if money weren't an issue, which I was thinking, clearly I was it is. thinking Starship Troopers. Yeah, a little oh, bit. I like that. Like, yeah. Uh, Rico's Roughnecks. Yeah. I would like to own a Tesla Model S yeah. for both the environmental impact and also the, I like, I think they're great looking cars, but the problem with that is that they're, the Model S ones are pretty expensive. Beyond my level at the moment. Maybe someday. I saw a Tesla on the highway today. There are a lot um, of Teslas yeah. around. From Matt, um, is there anything to speak for Klinger being minus 10 and Miro being plus 14 when their separations of games haven't been massive? This isn't a stab at Klingberg, but this is a reflection of Miro being better than John in a much smaller time frame. I mean, the answer is yes. There is a stab at yeah, John a yeah, little bit. It, he has not had a great year yet. But but the answer, it's not a stab. It's just the answer is yes. Miro has been the star's best defenseman. By far. Yes. Um, there's a question about... Rope By the way, side note, you saw my fun fact, late night fun facts about Essa last night? Yes. Probably this morning. Yes. Leading the NHL in shorthanded time on ice by 25 minutes over the number two, which I think was Travis Hamanick from Calgary, mm-hmm. and also in average time per game by, what, 40, 50 seconds? Yeah. That says two things. One is Essa's a beast on the penalty kill, and two, the Stars are taking too many penalties. Yeah. We have... We have three to go. We'll close it out here. Okay, because okay. we got to yeah. go home. From court, fully healthy Jamie Ben plus actual depth scoring equals he's found his game again. Seems more mentally relaxed since he, 91 and 47, aren't being asked to carry the team and it's helping. Still that's pr- a big That's yeah. a big point. That, that is not big. just putting it on their that's shoulders. That's true. Because, look, Radzilov's played well, but he hasn't dominated every night. No, he hasn't. And that's good. It's not good yeah, that he's yeah, not yeah. De- but. You know, look, if Alexander Radulov is going to have nights where he's going to score two or three points, have a big night, you're going to go, wow, what a great night for him. He had 
a lot of chances and things go, but he didn't. He was he was involved, mm-hmm. but him not scoring a goal tonight or setting up a goal Wasn't, did not didn't lead to hurt. dire consequences. That's exactly yeah. my point. Yeah, um, it's a good point. Um, from Andrew, what's the future for Puharvi? Who? Puharvi? I don't mean he's playing in Finland. It looks like Puharvi. Yeah, no, but yeah, the yeah, right. Puharvi. They want to know. I mean. I think he's interested because... He was oh, like, oh, oh, no, he followed it up. With, it says, never mind, I fell for a fake, fake account tweet a few days ago saying he'd been traded for Honka. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I would probably take that trade if I could put him in the AHL. I would take the trade either way. If Well, you had to keep him on the NHL roster? I would take the trade right now and let them both play in Finland. Oh, just yeah, work it out after that. Yeah, I would take that trade. Okay, I would well, just because I think it's I think it I think a change of spaces for both Honka and the Stars is what's needed. I don't know if the Stars he, need Jesse Puljujarvi, but, but no, he, but I would, I would be a. He's a better. I think he's a decent enough asset. I'd let him play in Finland. I would not. I would make him come to the AHL because the Texas Stars have been horrendous, and they could use a little help. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, that's, let's, all due respect to the guys down in Cedar Park, they have what three wins in seventeen. Yeah. They're three. They're not good. And two. They're not good. I noticed um, that the uh, yesterday went. Oh, they lost eleven straight. Yeah. So from our and they called up Colton Point. Yeah, and as far as, as far as I know, no goalie injuries for Texas. I double yeah, checked I on that. What's going on? There. I double checked on that today. As far as I know, no goalie anyway. injuries. Uh, Ardell said Finland is not a large country. How is it they produce so many quality NHL players? Who has the most intense and competitive personality of the Finnish mafia? How much challenge? How much of a challenge is the language barrier for them? Well, um, Essa Lindell. Of which of which part is your question? Uh, most competitive. Yes. I would agree with that. I just think that he is the biggest of the battlers of the three. I'm not saying anything yes. negative about I mean, Miro's, Miro's the best by far. Um, Rope's great up front. Essa's an excellent defenseman, and he's such a, uh, a real. Is a guy you don't want to go one on one with. Right, look what he did with Connor yeah. McDavid and Edmonton in overtime. So to answer Ardell's first question, I wrote a whole like four thousand word story about this. Go to the Athletic yeah, if you haven't it, subscribed to yeah. it; it's worth it. It's it's the story is actually the one that's pinned on my Twitter profile of uh, about where the Stars fins come from. Go read yes. that. Um, that answers it much better than anything we can debate right now. But I can go over real quick how much of it challenges the language barrier for them. The Finns understand English. Um, they all understand English. They all they learn it in school and. It's not a language barrier as far as understanding what's going on. Things have changed, though, in that regard. Because do you remember not that long ago that we had Finnish prospects coming over who couldn't speak a lick? Well, Yerky was a liar. Why? Yerky spoke English. No, no, but he didn't speak confidently. No. And, that, and but, Essa at the beginning was not very you're, good either. You're, you're getting away from my point here. My point, my, my point I just is think not... think that, that Finnish to English is not the easiest transition. I know they're learning it, but... No, you know it's like Finnish and Russian; they can understand each other. My point is the language barrier is not as much of a deal for comprehension; it's as more of what them, someone communicating their point socially. Well, of course, it is. It's so, way easier to understand or read something than it is to speak it. Yes, I find. So, um, that's our questions. Awesome. Stars are. Let's uh, wrap it up because we are tired. Stars practice at noon tomorrow. Um, if you're interested in such things. And there's also a Seve Nooner and McKinney tomorrow at noon, so that might be of the order as well. Yeah. So um, if you're looking for Owen, go to McKinney. Not Every- necessarily. 50-50 shot. <laughs> I might be in Frisco. All right. Everyone have a wonderful evening, and we should be talking again Saturday. No ice cream questions tonight. No ice cream questions. Well, you can't have it every night. Oh, well. <laughs>